2: I'm pleased once again to welcome fellow wrong thinker and political consultant Gary Welch. Gary, how are you today? I am doing awesome today, Brian. And I'm, I am going to
1: even surprise you of where I'm going to take my wrong think today. Okay. That it's, even, it's going it's going beyond my normal parameters of wrong think. So in other words, you're going to be out of your comfort zone? Yes, absolutely out of my comfort zone. And when we start talking about it, you're going to see why. Okay, that you know, I'm, I I have to go into the conspiracy theory realm and give it some credence on on a couple of issues on this. And you know how I usually like, nah, that's not me. I don't like going down that road. Right?
2: No, you're you're oh, you're, a, you're a very reasonable individual. You approach things from a very reasonable point of view. So now you got me intrigued. Gary, yeah, Gary is going yeah, to take us into the danger zone. Lead on, my friend. T- take us away.
1: So I got to start this off with, um, I, I have sources, okay, on this. And I want to talk about the India COVID spike that's just occurring now. This is all making all the news and everybody's talking about what's going on in India. And they're they're touting it as the second phase. This is going to come around now. We we'll don't take your mask off yet. Don't do anything yet because this is going to come around. that this is the second phase of COVID and it's spreading in India. But the evidence doesn't back what they are saying. And in fact, the evidence points to something that is a favorite to- topic of yours, and that is vaccinations. Oh really? Okay, now you really got my attention. Okay, so let's go down this road. So let's start with India when COVID first hits. India, even though they have a population much bigger than the United States, was actually only had one-tenth of the infections for most of of the crisis as we were going through. And they were being lauded by the by all of the health officials, the world health officials, and all these people going around saying how great India was handling, because they really do not have a very robust healthcare system. It's very outdated, and, and it has a lot of problems with it, infrastructure problems with it. And yet they were experiencing all these lower deaths. And they even had a couple of events at the beginning of this year where there should have been really major spikes in the COVID virus. The first one that happened was that there was these bills that were being passed by the Indian Congress that was basically taking away a lot of the farmer's rights. And they were creating a scenario uh, where they had put in these artificial pricing structures like the United States did, you know, where they buy crops and set pricing and things like that. They put these all in place and then they were taking them away. And so all the farmers came out to protest. And this was huge. This was just as as big as, as the BLM riots in the United States, but obviously a little more peaceful. But that many people came out. And there was a little bit of a spike with that when that happened. And then their biggest season, the equivalent to our Christmas, came about. And by this time, because the death rates and the infection rates were so low, India had basically taken away all the restrictions. They just said, everybody, go back to normal, go back to work, go back to um, visiting people. We're, we're just taking away all of the, of the restrictions down. And this event came through. And it was a big event. Everybody gathered. They had large gatherings, uh, lots of events in relations to this. And again, little small spike in it, but nothing significant. And then it drops back down again. Now, the big date that you have to remember is around January 21st of 2021. In January 21st of 2021, the World Health Organizations and Bill Gates and all these people had previously worked with an Indian manufacturer of vaccines Give him lots of money. Bill himself gave him $18 million because he really wanted to support that vaccination effort. And so they got all this money and they started rolling out, not only for India, but all of the subcontinent areas so Pakistan, Nepal, all of those countries. This was the center place for this was vaccination central for that. This plan in in India was producing it. They roll it out on January 21st. In early February, the spike hits. And I mean, you look at the graphs, straight line, straight line, straight line, bam. Come mid-February, this thing jumps. And here's the strangest part about it. The spike directly correlates with the spike in vaccinations. So as the vaccinations go up, the COVID cases come up. This source also provided me with a hundred over one hundred and fifty news articles that shows that individuals died within three days of receiving their vaccination.
2: That is that is shocking. And what, what are we hearing from, I guess, are we hearing anything from health officials, from, from media? Yes. What you're
1: hearing is this is the second wave. This is a mutation.
2: Mm. This is the new virus coming around. I guess I should have said, That's are we hearing anything truthful from health officials and, uh, and you know, the, the media? But, wow. So they're spinning this. Absolutely.
1: And so there, there's two ways you can go with it. And and this is where I, like I said, I get out of my comfort zone. The one thing that I, the way that I'm spinning this is they had a bad batch. They, they rushed this thing. Like, like always they were pushing it through. Lots of money came into people uh, who probably took that money and ran and, and didn't actually do things with it. The biggest thing about this that they were talking about is the vaccine the vaccine has to be kept cold. We know that. It has to be kept in a very cool environment. Of course, India is very hot. And the way that they rolled this out, they were actually leaving the vaccines out into the open air for long periods of times as they were trying to move through people. So what what happened basically is you had a vaccine that was supposed to be cold. It gets all warmed up. We know what happens with when you create germs and viruses and put them in a nice warm atmosphere. Wow. Um, the other side of that, though, is that this is part of the world effort of trying to hide this crisis and trying to spin this crisis on what it's going on. And honestly, as, I, as much as I'd like to say, no, that's not what's going on, when you hear the stories of the news media of how they're trying to portray this, as a second wave, as as something different, when there is zero evidence to indicate that this is a mutated virus, but lots of evidence to indicate that this is the vaccine, the vaccine
2: itself, that makes you wonder. Well, and okay, and I'm I'm going to dig just a little bit deeper. Let's enlarge the rabbit hole just a little bit more. Um, not specific just to the India question, but in general, have you noticed how anything? that even remotely questions the efficacy of vaccinations is shot down as quickly as possible and removed from social media. I mean, there's a hard, hard press to keep things right within the boundaries or, you know, keep it on that three by five index card of approved opinion. Uh, People aren't even allowed to question whether, you know, there could be complications, whether this is the best way to go about it, whether vaccines really work, whether it's right for me. I mean, I, I suppose, Gary, you probably heard about uh, Joe Rogan's uh, travails here the last couple of weeks. All he yeah, su- he paid paid dearly for it. All he suggested was if, if a healthy young person came to me and said, should I get the vaccine? His answer would be, no, you're young, you're healthy, you're not at risk. And and it was interesting to see, you know, the establishment politicians as well as uh, the establishment, establishment medical experts pile on to him. And, you know, well, where did you get your degree? I don't know. There's something very fishy about this, Gary. I um, I don't know if you saw the clip. I think it was from Jimmy Kimmel's show of a bunch of different doctors and nurses. Basically, the message was shut the F up and get the, the um, vaccination. Ha, 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 with piped in laughter. And I think, you know, you guys are pushing awfully hard. For something that you're trying to persuade me to do, right?
1: And, and and this whole thing they're trying to justify by, well, we don't want to ruin, you know, public confidence. And my my, I'm questioning this. Like, maybe public confidence should be kind of ruined. We should be questioning this.
2: Yeah the the more the more I hear you describing what's going on there, the more I think it's okay to ask questions, even if they uh, even if it makes some people uncomfortable. Maybe they should be. We'll take a quick break. Gary Welch is my guest. We'll be back right after these messages.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
2: All right. Welcome back to the show. We are joined by fellow wrong thinker and birthday boy, Gary Welch. Happy birthday, Gary. Oh, thank you. I just remembered I saw that earlier on Facebook, so I wouldn't want to let this occasion pass without, uh, you know, wishing you the best. So uh, since we're, we're talking about COVID stuff, I know that uh, there's there's more to do with it, with the vaccine questions that you had Um not just with India, but uh, let's let's expand our discussion about about uh, the the covid vaccine. I mean, I'm not hanging on every news story about an adverse reaction, but it's pretty clear there are some people who are not reacting well to this. I think the, the number I heard was 4000 people have have died incident to, you know, their their vaccination. Now, you know, out of 100 million, that seems like a pretty insignificant number, unless, of course, you happen to know one of those people. And that's the whole thing about
1: so there's not only related to this, but it is elsewhere here, even here in the U.S. Here's the thing. So like with the what's going on in India and this vaccination, these guys that are making this vaccine and you can just say, oh, well, it's just these guys. But it's not them that that bothers me It's how the governments and the world health leaders are reacting to this. There are three things that you can track. That shows that this is very much a correlation of the vaccine. The first one is those numbers. The, the vaccine release. There's a big spike in the vaccinations, and there's a big spike in deaths. The second thing is, as you go from province to province in India, as the vaccination, as the vaccine hits that province, the death rate goes up. And then the last one, it even correlates to as the other countries: Nepal, Pakistan, Bangladesh. As they introduce the vaccines, their death rates all go up. Now, you take those three factors and you say that is not coincidence. That is not out. That's not something that cannot be collaborated together. That's correlated data, lots of information, lots of evidence that is pointing to a cause of what's going on. And yet the denial of this is really big. There have been more deaths in the last six months, vaccination-related deaths, in the last six months than there has been, and this is worldwide. No, actually, this is U.S. This is in the U.S. than in the last 15 years. Nobody's talking about that. Nobody's saying anything about this. And like what you were saying, the problem that I have with this is even though there is this overwhelming evidence, the narrative is shut it down. Don't don't say that you can't talk about this. We don't want to release this information. The person that gave me this information was actually they, they want to be anonymous. They don't want their their names to be known because they're absolutely afraid of releasing this. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I'll do it. <laughs> so you know, you know that that. This is dangerous ground that we are really sitting on when there is a concerted effort to at least question. Look, let's just look into this, just like with the election fraud things. Hey, all I'm asking is that let's just look into this and see what's going on. Don't be afraid to look at the truth.
2: Let's talk about the blood clots issue because this seems to be one of the terms that I hear coming up in association with the COVID-19 vaccine. And and you had sent me some information linking to it. Actually, uh, a couple of different news sources, ABC4 here in Utah, uh, the New York Post, uh, Deseret News. And, and these are, you know, these are not f- uh, fringe information outlets, but they're all talking about, or at least they're reporting on, a teenager who died with blood clots or hospitalized with blood clots after their vaccine right. shot. Uh, a mom who died days after her second dose. Uh, Utah pausing J&J vaccine administrations, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was associated with blood clots. I mean, it's it, it's not as far removed from us as we may be tempted to believe.
1: And, and from our own health officials, what are they saying? What would the prudent thing to do? i've I've worked in the medical field. i've I, I, when I was in the military, I worked on that side of things. And that you know that do no harm aspect of medicine and healthcare is a big factor. And that even if it's something that you don't want to face, you always take the attitude of we want to address and look at anything and everything when it comes to why are people dying? Why are people getting sick? Why, are, why is this not working? Why are these treatments not working? That was always the attitude in the medical world was we wanted to go above and beyond when it comes to healthcare and look at everything and examine everything. We always was that attitude of there is no, uh, we don't have any, any, any skin in this game. It's all about what is, what is the best thing for our patients. And yet we're hearing, even in this local one, what are they saying? Oh, it's too early. Don't, don't relate this to the vaccination. This is coincidence. You know, we want to be sure that, that you guys don't relate this to the vaccination. And what I hate about it is their excuse for doing so is because they don't want the, the um, American people to lose confidence in the vaccination
2: and stop getting it. Gee, That's w- their justification. I wonder why. <laughs> Well, I you know, I I don't think this is the same thing as as being a doomsayer. Uh, I'm sure there are those who would equate this, but you guys are just shouting fire in a crowded theater. But um do we not have the right to question these kind of things? Is it is I guess what I'm asking is this. Is it not the responsible thing to do to ask about this, especially when there's clear evidence that hey, this doesn't just work out for everybody. Maybe the the risks are outweighed by the benefits, but you know, th- those are still pretty significant risks, no matter how I slice it. Well, we have done um, recalls from
1: medicines for far less. There's been far less correlation in this, and they have actually forced recalls of pills and things that have gone out there on the market with with less correlation that we have with this vaccination. And yet. They're not even saying, let's look into it. That's what really bothers me. Why not? Why wouldn't you want to at least investigate? Maybe you find that these guys are, you know, they just don't have good practices or something like that. But your denial to even say, let's investigate it, tells me that there is an agenda behind this.
2: No, and it's. The the scary thing to me is it's spilling over. I mean, look, I expect people in government to kind of push things like this. That's it's the nature of politicians. This is an idea so good. We're going to make it mandatory. All right. I expect out of them. It's disturbing, though, how many players within the private sector, businesses and corporations and so forth, are stepping up and saying, no, no, we want to make this part of our policy as well. You want to shop here? You want to fly our airline? You want to ride this? You want to do that? You want to work here? You got to get the vaccine. That seems to me like it's 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 crossing a line, though. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how I would d- describe where that line is crossed. Yes, it's private business, but it's private business doing government's bidding or, or carrying out government's bidding. That seems to me that something has changed then fundamentally. And I think it all relates to
1: justification and that the fear of the of this disease, the fear of COVID and what it has done to people and the way that they have hyped this fear has created that type of mentality within these corporations. I do believe that they are approaching this from a uh, uh, good of the, you know, we want to do this for the good of the country and the good of our communities. Uh, but it, it is just absolutely misplaced
2: with a, without a doubt. Now, in the next segment, we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about some of the uh, voter. Uh, I, I want to say voter fraud stuff going on. Um, what I mean to say is voter protection, because that's what the that's what the official legislation is calling it. But it seems to me like it's something that would actually um, codify voter fraud or or perhaps uh, make it easier to to cheat in in future elections so hang tight gary welch is my guest we will continue our discussion just the other side of these messages
0: Is the Brian Hyde Show? This is the Brian Hyde Show, and we are back. Gary
2: Welch is my guest, and among the things we wanted to talk about today, Gary, um, seems like there's been some interest in uh, in uh, election reform. Funny. Given that everything went so perfectly in the last election and there was no question whatsoever about whether it was carried out in an open, transparent and honest manner. I mean, it was very clear, you know, that the winner was rightly the winner and nobody you know, felt the need to question whether there was any kind of fraud or anything. All right. I better turn off the sarcasm here before I run out. But uh, let's let's talk about some of the things that are going on in in terms of. Uh, of the the, the battle Uh, for for voter reform being proposed in Congress. What are these bills, and, and what exactly are they supposed to accomplish?
1: So this is going into the same level as what is going on with COVID, in that there is this denial, there is this you cannot have another narrative, there is this we do not want to look at evidence, we do not want to investigate, we do not want to even open up and see what is going on. But just let's pile it on. Let, let's go in and sit there and say, no, it's just the opposite. And that there is we're not doing enough to create what they're calling voter reform on their side of it. And of course, you know, with all bills that go out there, the better sounding the name, the worse the actual the bill is. And so they're just really kind of piling on with trying to create even what I call. Um, just absolute open fraud that they're not even trying to hide it anymore. They're coming out and saying, yeah, we're going to pass this bill, and it's absolutely going to help with fraud. So here's some of the things that they've, they put in the bill. This is being proposed in Congress. Well, actually, Congress has already passed this. Um, I should say the House of Representatives has actually already passed this, and the Senate is looking at basically the same kind of thing. It includes... Federal financing for our elections where the feds are going to be giving money to candidates mandated same day voter registration. That one got me. Wow. Walk in, sign a piece of paper. Hallelujah. You're a voter. Absentee voting ballots mandated to be sent 45 days before the election. 45 days that's a lot of time for mischief. Oh, yeah. And then the last one re- that they're going to restrict states from requiring photo ID registration and only require a sworn affidavit. That's in that
2: bill. Wow. I mean, it sure seems like, you know, they're they're doing what they can to make it easy to um, manipulate the results or at least get the results they want. I like how Mike Lee was putting it. uh, uh, I think it was just over the weekend he was talking about, look, it should be easy to vote, but it should be hard to cheat. This makes it easy to vote and easy to cheat. It seems to me like it's
1: geared for the cheating. I mean, they are trying to go out of their way. You could do things to make it easier to vote without doing these kinds of things. These are the same day voting registration, that to me is just like that is absolute there is no way that you can verify someone, you can verify anything when they come in and they say, Yeah, I want to vote, and you give it to them. And then especially if they show up the day before an election. You can't even classify if they're a resident of the state in one day. That would be impossible. And if you do the sworn affidavit, um yeah, sure, you know. Uh yeah, yeah, man, I'm I'm from uh I'm from Missouri, man. Uh, you don't you know by my accent that show me that I'm here <laughs>
2: Well, you know, Doctor Doctor Harold Peace had a had a column that was published earlier today about why all Americans should want the Arizona forensic audit. And I know I asked you about this before we went on the air, and you said I'm I'm not terribly familiar with what's going on in in Arizona, but uh, there there is an audit that's taking place, and I haven't followed this. You know, I haven't hung on every story that's come out about it. But one thing that has been very very clear to me is that there is a huge effort to prevent that audit from going forward. And, and I have to ask why. If there was no voter fraud, if there was no election fraud, if the truth is on the side of how it all came out, why would they push so hard not to provide the, um, the details? that I think it was passwords and, and some other data that they were looking for from, uh, from the voting machines. Why would you hide that? That that makes it look like there's something very questionable going on. I'm just curious why, if the truth wouldn't be enough. Sure, take a look. Look at it to your heart's content. You're going to see the, 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 the results of the election are borne out by the evidence here with the actual ballots. But that's not what's happening.
1: Well, the, the logical reasoning on this doesn't make sense to me in that they say that they don't want this to be done. Because it will lead to a decrease in voter confidence. And if they they think that the system is broken, that they think that the system is bad, that this is going to cause less people to vote. And I would say, well, if the system is bad and if the system is corrupt, we want less people voting, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, why would you want to stop that in order to get voter confidence? What you do is you do just the opposite. You scrutinize to very fine detail and then come out with results that said, yeah, we took this thing apart and we absolutely looked at it and everything's good. Everybody, it looks good. Everything works. It does exactly what it wants and you validate it. By just simply saying we don't want to look at it because it's going to destroy voter confidence, I think that destroys voter confidence.
2: I know that some of the critics of, of these recounts or these audits are saying, look, you know, these states have already done recounts. But uh, if if you just recount the same bogus votes like happened in Georgia, don't you get the same bogus revo- re- results? Wouldn't you want to take out the dead or the illegal or previously moved out of state voters or, or see if somebody voted multiple times or flipped votes to the opposing candidate through computer interference. I mean, there's just look, I'm not looking to try to uh, install Trump as president and, and to, you know, overturn the the last elections results. But I'm absolutely not convinced that all the politicians that are saying, trust me, it was all on the up and up. It was all transparent. I, I don't believe them. I'd li- I'd like to see that process gone through even if it's painful even if it turns up okay maybe there were some irregularities but they still wouldn't have affected the outcome let it play out so at least we know that an honest effort to assess the information has taken place you know well no court has found that uh, there was any kind of fraud yeah because no court would agree to hear it although I believe in Pennsylvania there there was at least one court that, that heard it and they said yeah there's definitely something that's wrong here. I think it was more uh, the, the use or the, the twisting of state law um, against the state law. You know, the, the I'm trying to think how, how they put it. Basically, the state changed the election law where it couldn't. It was changed by executive rather than by the legislative branch. And the court said, hey, that's that's legitimately wrong. But then it was quickly overturned by an appeals court. No, 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 no. Everything's fine. I don't know, Gary, it just doesn't. In, it doesn't inspire confidence in the system. Now is it is it bad not to have confidence in in the in the voting system? What's your take?
1: If it's broken, absolutely there should be no confidence because that's how we fix it. Hear, hear. We, we will go turn around and we will fix it. Um so going to what you were talking about, I think there's some really good points about this Number one is that recounts are just recounts. All they're doing is just seeing recount counting flaws. That's all it detects, nothing else. The other side of this is you were talking about the court cases. Well, in order to have a really true court case where you're looking at the evidence, you have to have evidence gathering. And that requires your law enforcement organizations to go out and collect evidence. That never happened. It was always just these guys coming and saying, well, we saw this and we did that. And they were the ones who had the burden of proof of proving anything. The states never, ever put their law enforcement to say, we want you to go look at what's going on and, and if there is
2: fraud going on and how it's being perpetuated. They never did that. No. And I I'm, look, I'm not trying to suggest that. Therefore, we are in a banana public right. It would be public right now. Um but it but it sure feels like we have some similarities, at least to to the extent that, uh, you know, if, if there was cheating, if there was corruption within the system, then uh, why would those who cheated try to stop it? I mean, it seems like the longer they hold power, the more they're incentivized to try to, to shore up whatever it was that gave them the advantage. That's how they maintain control, which really seemed to be the goal in this case. So I look If the systems busted, I say, then let's let's let the chips fall where they may. If people have no confidence in it, fine. Turn your backs on it and, and let it uh, let it fall apart or at least let it collapse without your support. But somehow I, I get the sense that we've got some kind of a almost a purity test here. You know, if you want to if you want to hold public office in, in the future, Gary, you have to sign this affidavit and swear that you think the 2020 election was all good and dandy. I mean, would you be willing to do such a thing? This is, yeah,
1: this is like just with COVID. It's the same thing. Cover it, bury it, and then pile
2: on rules and regulations to prevent anyone from doing anything about it. Okay, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back with Gary Welch right after this.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
2: All right. Welcome back to the final segment of this hour. I have Gary Welch with me today. And, uh, Gary, there's, there's one place we needed to go. I um, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the, the current power struggle over GOP leadership in the House of Representatives. I have not followed this closely. You are much more politically in tune than I am. Set the stage for us. What What is happening between Cheney versus Stefanik?
1: So this is one of the things that I like pointing out to people, because you have to understand how party politics work. We look at government politics, Democrat versus Republicans. But what you have to understand is what is going inside the GOP, the power struggle that is happening within that organization. And there is a major power struggle going on by the representatives of Trump, of of Donald Trump and his supporters and what they want to do and what we would call the deep state Republicans, the entrenched Republicans, those that have been there for a while. And we see this as the outsider coming in and and that this is all good, that Trump is getting this support. And where this is being played out right now in the House of Representatives is that the the major, the House Republican Conference chairwoman, which is the highest female position within the House of Representatives for the Republican Party, is being challenged um, by by a gal named, I think it's uh, Elsie Stefanik and she's challenging Liz, Liz Cheney and Liz Cheney was, uh, you know, her dad in that whole history. She is really entrenched into that deep state Republican party realm. And, and Stefan X is definitely going to take over. It's almost like a foregone conclusion that she's going to take that position away because of Liz Cheney's you know, attitude towards Trump. And they're looking this as a strong indication that Congress is supporting Trump in this and that we're going for a next round. But what I want to let everybody else know is there are the behind the scenes things that are going on that you just see this as a play out between Trump and the the other Republicans. But I look at this from a totally different perspective. One of the things is, is Trump is trying to promote himself as that outsider and as a representative of the people. But, And again, I don't want to come off as a Trump hater, and I'm not trying to come off as a guy that just says, hey, he really was bad. But look at his tenure as as president. Look at the things that he accomplished. He did do some things, but there was a lot of things he didn't do. And there were some bad things that happened within this. And by all accounts, when you look at that, he was not the outsider. He was very much a party operator operating within the GOP realm and doing the things that GOP wanted to do. He had one of the largest increases in, in debt spending of any president, period. Democrat or Republican, he outspent them all. So you have to look at things like that and say, okay, is he truly the outsider? What this really is, what is playing out here is that there are two powerhouses One being led by Donald Trump, one by the established Republicans. They are vying for power within the Republican Party. And I think the Trump powerhouse is going to win. But if you think that that's going to change the GOP and that's going to make it more towards representing the people and as Republicans, that they're finally going to do what you want them to do. All these times that the Republicans have been going out and saying, hey, I want you to stop abortion. I want you to stop debt spending. I want you to support gun rights. All these things, you think that that's going to change, and it's not. This is just powerful people struggling for power,
2: and it's, and it's basically replacing the king. Wow. You know, I'm trying to be optimistic here, Gary, but— this doesn't give me a whole lot of uh, enthusiasm or, or the thought that um, anything is going to change in any meaningful way, at least not not initially. I, it just seems like there's a lot of inertia right now for things to stay the way they are in Washington, D.C. And this kind of infighting you know, shows there are people who are very dedicated and want to want to see that happen. Um, I guess the question that, that's on my mind is how how much how many of the cards do they actually hold? Because it looks like like things have been stacked in their favor.
1: I would say so. I, I, this this is an, a very good evidence that the Trump supporters are winning this battle, and that the Republican Party will probably make that shift. We can. I think that there's a very good, strong evidence to show that they're going to shift. But if you are a Republican and you are thinking, "Oh, okay." This means we're going to get back to the things we're going to stand for, the principles that we're supposed to stand for, that they're going to start representing me better. Do not foresee that to happen. I do not see that to happen. One of the things that I talk a lot about is that once corruption gets established within an institution and it gets put, put into place, it's very hard. In fact, it's been impossible. There's never been a situation in human history where it internally Corrects itself. It always requires an outside force to do it. There's never been an instance that once it becomes corrupt, that it just internally goes, oh, OK, we better stop being corrupt. Let's let's reform and make it better. It always has taken an outside force to make that happen. Trump is not that outside force. He's just another insider vying for power.
2: So this this leads to the next question, then uh, the twenty twenty two twenty twenty four elections I mean, my my gut is saying Trump is probably not going to be a part of those elections. I just don't see him finding his way back into favor, even though there's pretty broad support. I I don't see him being able to to be a real moving force within those elections. Nonetheless, is it is it uh, is there potential for them to be as contentious, if not worse than the 2020 election, even without Trump directly being involved?
1: there could be but i do i i absolutely hold that he is going to get involved uh, okay. his ego pushes him for that to, to be involved they've they've already started indicating that they want to run him in 2024 2022 is going to be the litmus test that's going to be what happens in that you will see him very actively promoting candidates during that that race you will probably see him out there pushing his people to win and if there is a big republican win and if that big republican win is trump supporters um there's no i i just do not see a scenario where he's not running
2: okay well you know i i'm i wouldn't count myself as a huge trump fan um nonetheless I was very grateful for the things he did that caused frustration and slowed the progress of all the establishment types that were working so hard to consolidate control and power over the American people. I don't think Donald Trump was our savior, but he definitely put some friction against that wheel and slowed their progress. And that was good. Unfortunately, now they they have pretty much free reign and it seems like they are just going for broke as hard and as fast as they can. What are you watching for in the days ahead, um, whether it's election related or not, where those in power are going to do, to shore up that control? What what do you see happening? Is it a stronger push against domestic terrorism, by which they mean anyone who disagrees with us, you know, will be labeled as a terrorist? No, the, actually, the
1: play during midterms going up into the midterms is to allow the Democrats to do whatever they want to do because you use that then. So you, you use the debt, you use the voting fraud, um, even though because you can't you know, you're in the minority. so you get all of the, the ability to say, well, we tried to stop it, we wanted to do this. And then you turn around and use that against them for the midterms so that you can then play on that. that that's the typical ploy that you use. You really don't try to push your agenda because you're not in a position to do so and to try and fail, put you in a bad light. So basically what you do is you lay low and let it run. Just keep giving them enough rope to hang themselves. In their minds, yes. Okay. Of course, they're they're tanking the economy, they're tanking our society, and they're they're growing their power. But that's okay because I've always said this is Republicans want a bigger, as big a government, if not bigger than the Democrats. They just want to be in charge of it. That's the only difference between the two. There is no such thing as a little government, big government. It's big government with us in charge versus big government with you in charge.
2: Wow. I'm just trying to think, is there anywhere I can escape to? (laughs) <laughs> doesn't appear to be but uh, that's that's the thing that comes to mind i just want i just want to get out of their clutches as much as possible curious if we'll see the states start to make a stronger stand as as the pressure mounts from washington dc we're down to about 30 seconds here gary any any closing thoughts for our listeners
1: just this um and we and i like to always push this agenda fight locally Quit trying to fight them on the national level, everybody. Let's go to our communities and let's fight them there. That's where we're going to win those battles. And let's start looking at who is on our side and who is not. All
2: right. Gary Welch, thank you. Great conversation as always.